Hey, what's up? It's the Bober and Hanley Pro Football Podcast as we have now made our way through week 10. And Bober, I don't know if you noticed, I got the little, little bit of a Christmas tree over there. Is, that, is it too early? Well, it's, you nothing. got the leg lamp. Yeah, the leg lamp plays all year long. Yeah. Um, but the leg lamp, Cleveland, they won. Um, there's, as you can see, there's no presence or anything on the tree, kind of like no. those offense. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to say this. I really do hope Nick Foles is okay. Uh, because that was, that was odd looking like what happened. But now I guess it's, it's his, either his hip or something with his back hip or leg. I don't know. They're, they're kind of vague. It didn't, I mean, anytime you go off on a board, even though he was kind of upright and seemed to be okay. Um, hoping he's all right, but my gosh. I mean, as bad as offenses can get, I don't know if they get much worse than the Chicago Bears offense. And honestly, this sounds awful because I never thought I'd say this in the last four years, at least the last two years. I think this offense is better off with Mitchell Trubisky. I, I, I truly believe that. You know, I, I don't quite get it. It's, it's kind of funny because, we'll, you know, just to, to talk about that game, I know we're going to get into the game, but if you look at how Nick Foles is being used – by Matt Nagy in in Chicago, I feel like the other kind of pro offensive protege under the Andy Retreat is doing a horrible job in in Philadelphia. With, yeah. I don't think Peterson's doing a great job with Carson Wentz, and and Peterson did a great job with Foles. Maybe they need to trade those guys. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> hey, I'm I'm as a Bears fan, I'm open for anything right now, other than the current regime. I, I like Chuck Pagano as a defense coordinator. I'm fine with that. But as far as the offensive side. To to me, in my opinion, everybody is everybody's for sale. Everybody is everybody's suspect. I mean, think about that. In Philly, he had a great run with with Foles, right? It's like Foles was the guy that was he could do what he wanted. But then he comes to Matt Nagy in Chicago, and he can't he can't. I mean, now they are deficient in talent. Let's get that straight, right? They don't have a run running back. Right. Montgomery, when he's in there, is probably not a top tier running back. Mm -hmm. They don't have any backups whatsoever. They have Cordero Patterson back there. He's a receiver. Right. Yeah. And Robinson is probably their best talent out there at the end. But after that, they really fall off when it comes to, to talent. Over, I mean, overall talent, they're nowhere yeah. near. Maybe that kid from Notre Dame, the tight end, is a good player. But they are very deficient. And I don't know. I, th I think I put that more in the GM than anything else. Absolutely. But it was, I think that, you know, that game last night, it was boring to watch. Um, and I know we're going to get into the game specifically later, but who, you know, the bears, I think, I don't think we believed that they were that good. And now, now they're kind of showing that they're really not yeah. that good. You know, for me in, yeah, we can get into the game here in a, in a moment, but for me, it's just, it's, you hit the nail on the head GM because I, I was texting with some friends last night about this thing. And my brother-in-law, we were just kind of venting. And I, I just said, you know what, the, at this point, the more embarrassing for me, the better, because I just feel like when you are wasting a defense and make no mistake about it, I mean, what the Bears defense did against Dalvin Cook, not many defenses do that. The, this Bears defense is a championship caliber defense. I, I have I have no issue saying that. I, I think they really are. When you waste a defense like this, and, and to your point about maybe not having frontline talent, I've seen Bears teams in years past with less talent offensively and have more production. So again, this is a total and utter failure, starting with the general manager. And to be honest, Matt Nagy, not too far behind. This is I, I, 2018 to me is a fluke. You yeah. cannot waste a defense like this. And that window is continuing to close. 
it's it's so the reason I say the more embarrassing, the better is because I feel like there should be some accountability. And that starts at the top of the general manager. It's just it, it's not good enough. Well, may, maybe there's some hope, because if you remember uh, back in like 2014, I think it was when the Chiefs were two and 14, but they had a pretty spectacular defense, you know, with Don Tari Poe, Eric Berry. <laughs> Um, Tom Bahali, Justin Houston, Derek Johnson. They were some dudes on that defense. And they bring a guy yep. named Andy Reid in, and he turns up and he goes 9-0 to start that. And he had to play with a guy named Alex Smith, yeah. who, could, you know, who was a cast-off at that point. So there, there's hope, but it, it appears that they're going to have to make a change or else they are going to waste this this pretty, pretty high-end defense that is kind of being wasted. Well, yeah, and the thing is, they don't need to be a top 15 offense for this team to not only be in the playoffs, but to be a legitimate contender with that defense. They just need to be between 25 and 20. I mean, that's the thing. From 2018, they, I think, were the 24th or 23rd best offense. And then last year, they were the 27th. This year, they're almost dead last. You're heading in the wrong direction. But nobody's asking for Matt Nagy to have an elite offense. Just be average if you're average you're gonna win 10 or 11 games i mean it's just yeah it's maddening i could go on for four hours about this but we got other stuff to get to so let's do that let's do that let's do that uh, let's talk about drew Brees, man I mean, yeah that's, that's a big ripple effect i think in this in the nfc honestly because the saints who are playing as good or better than any team in the nfc um Drew Brees goes down, stays in the game for a while, but obviously come to find out he has five broken ribs and a punctured lung. Um, very tough dude. But Jameis Winston came into that game, and it, there's it's not even close. Now, to his credit, he didn't throw any interceptions. Yep. But they had him at the goal line, like in shotgun, like trying to read the defense. I mean, you got Alvin Kamara and, and hand the ball off, you know? So I don't know where they go from that. I, I would anticipate there is a step down because he's not Teddy Bridgewater. He's not going to fill in and not make mistakes like Bridgewater did. Um, that's a big ripple. Now all of a sudden Tampa Bay's back in it and some other teams in Green Bay now looks towards maybe getting that top seed. So there's, it, it, it's going to change a lot in the NFC. Yeah, it is. And we talked about it last week, how it was just so jammed up. I mean, you, you look at so many different teams and it was funny last night they showed the it was the debut of the in the hunt graphic. You had all of the who's in the playoffs if it started today and then who's in the hunt. And interesting enough, I mean, now with Minnesota's victory, they're at four and five. So they could push themselves back into this thing. Detroit's four and five. So, I mean, even some teams that we don't even consider to be very good are kind of on the outside looking in. But, yeah, th with the Saints, look, remember when they started the year off, there was still a lot that we were kind of scratching our head about with this team, even when they were winning some games or thinking something just doesn't look right with this team. And then in the last month, they really have looked like a, at least a championship caliber team that I think we thought they would look like before the season started. Now, just like last season, you have an injury to Drew Brees when he had the finger injury last year. And as you mentioned, Teddy Bridgewater filled in, he goes five and zero, and ended up getting himself a nice payday and a nice gig in Carolina. Jameis Winston, what I've always been interested in when they signed him is, okay, is he the backup or is Taysom Hill the backup? I'm not really sure what's going on. We know Jameis Winston is the true backup quarterback. And the other thing that I was curious of knowing is, is Jameis Winston, was he more of an erratic quarterback because he was in that, that system with the Buccaneers last year where you want to 
force the football down the field. You want to take some big shots. And Jameis was encouraged to do that. Now in the Sean Payton uh, system, it could be a little bit different. So will we see his sort of that erratic play? Will that be a little bit more reined in? Will, will he have the ability to maybe run a system and be a little bit more consistent and be able to eliminate the mistakes? Bottom line is he's going to have to. Now he's got weapons, but that's what I'm really cu- curious about Jameis Winston is, was he more of a product of just that system there in Tampa Bay, or is that just who Jameis is? Is he just going to be a, a one mistake after another, but can give you a big play here and there too? Uh, we'll, we'll find out, but this is a big moment for the Saints, no question. Yeah, and you know Sean Payton's been around this for quite a, quite a bit here, but they they don't have a t- too tough a schedule. They, in the next three weeks, they got the Falcons, Broncos, Falcons, mm-hmm. then they got the Eagles. They got to go, go to Kansas City. Um, actually, I think Kansas City goes down there, but Vikings, Panthers. So they don't have a too tough of a schedule. Um, it kind of lines up for them. But you know, if this happens every year in the NFL, injuries are going to define how these teams finish, honestly, because yeah. you only have so many stars to go around so much money to pay these guys and injuries are going to be one of the defining factors as this goes, um, goes forward. So um, yeah, we're, we're going to keep watching the injuries because those are going to sh- shape how this thing finishes. We're also kind of following uh, the COVID situation this week. I know uh, good news on the Browns front is they had no close contact. So they were able to reopen their facility. I uh, saw that the Cowboys uh, staff is using kind of a, a bubble and in battling COVID. So you, as you see cases increasing and on the rise throughout the entire country, it looks like not only the NFL kind of strengthened their protocols a little bit, but you're now seeing organizations even take a step further on what is going to actually work within their organization, which I think is a very positive step because, you know, I've talked about this a lot on my radio show. You get to, you know, major league baseball, you get to the NBA and NHL and NBA and NHL had a a great system with that bubble. They had no issues whatsoever. Major league baseball had a little bit early on and then some here and there, but once you start getting closer to the finish line, it's important to preserve what you have going on. And we're seeing that in college football too. I I truly believe with just the horrible news in the last couple of weeks in college football, with all the games being postponed, I am under the, the, the impression that once they get past Thanksgiving, when the students leave campus and are not coming back until like mid late January, that's your best opportunity to pull off a season and keep guys safe because you now have created some sort of a bubble. I think the NFL, even though they don't really have a bubble right now, I think you have organizations that are trying to do something within their facilities to do this because they understand now that we're more than halfway through the season, we're starting to see a lot of cases on the rise. How can they sort of double their efforts and still get to the finish line? Because regardless of what the TV numbers and the revenue numbers and and everything that kind of goes along with the money-making machine that the NFL is, I think right now the most important thing – and the same for a lot of sports in 2020 is just getting to the finish line as a, in a safe manner and to see if you can pull that off. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing out of the NFL right now. Yeah. NFL's kind of got their arms wrapped pretty tight around this situation as best they can. You see players and coaches getting fined. I do feel bad for um, Sean Payton dancing, doing the gritty in the locker room. <laughs> it's probably going to get fined for that, even though they've yeah. all been in close contact. Um, so they're, they're taking it seriously and, and it, it's good signs to know that they're, that they're playing football, we're still going on, and and I think they're continue to add more protocols to keep them safe. 
So getting to the games, I think we just have to lead off with the one that was that took everybody's breath away. And it was an afternoon game. It was a game that we we all thought would be a good game. And that was the Bills and the Cardinals. But uh, you know what? DeAndre Hopkins was a key addition to the Cardinals in the offseason. It's maybe one of the reasons where Bill O'Brien at least had the clock ticking uh, against him uh, when he made that sort of head scratching move there for the Texans. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been good. It's not like he hasn't produced for the Cardinals. But when you could come up in a big-time situation against a big-time opponent like that for a team that has ascended, but a team that I still don't think people are considering to be a Super Bowl contender, you make a play like that, you talk about the good vibes, being able to have the Hail Mary, Kyler Murray throwing that thing and kind of like falling into the sideline, and DeAndre Hopkins coming up, catching that Hail Mary and doing so against a quality Bills team to win that football game. I mean, that right there, that's not only the highlight of the week, might might be the highlight of the season. Yeah, it's kind of funny here because um, one of the biggest things in this game that's going to be in the kind of world, the betting world, the the, the spread and everything like that is that the points were, we saw two, I've seen three out there, um, Arizona was favored by, and they ended up winning by two, but let's not forget that they make this tremendous play to come back, and Buffalo, let's not take anything away from Buffalo, right, that was a great game, yep. they just got one-upped by uh, something that probably won't happen to them ever again in their lifetime, but Arizona scores that touchdown and goes down and takes a knee. Mm-hmm. You know how many people that took out of the money? I mean, we're going to talk about another game coming up soon that took out of my bet to a push, but I mean, they're minus two and they could have went up by three and it made people a lot of money. Now it's probably Vegas and the sports books probably pushed all over yeah. the board here. So that's kind of a funny little thing to happen that not many people remember unless you actually had had the spread in your mind, but they literally took a knee instead of going for two. But I think the, both these teams are going to be in their in their respective divisions and conferences in, in the in the mix here. Arizona, um, I still doubt what they're doing on defense. Buffalo kind of had their way with them a little bit. Josh Allen had a huge game. Um, didn't turn the ball over, I don't believe. Um, he had a touchdown catch. Did you see that play? I mean, the touchdown catch that Josh Allen made was amazing. Yeah. So just an overall exciting, very good football game that I think that these two teams are going to be there in the playoffs and doing some damage. I mean, Kyler, Kyler Murray is like that little mini Mahomes. I continue to be impressed with with not only Murray, but I've been critical on Cliff Kingsbury. I think it's a gimmick offense that he has taken from Texas Tech when he was a player and then, of course, as a coach. And I just honestly did not think it had any place in the NFL. And I still think time will tell mm-hmm. if defenses will catch up to that scheme. But I, so far it's worked. I got to give credit where credit's due, but Kyler Murray is another guy that I think a lot of us were wondering, Hey, should he have played baseball or is he actually going to be a good NFL quarterback? And he's proven everybody wrong. He is a playmaker. I think you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. I think he's got a little bit of that improvisation, but I think also when you look at just his stature, I think a little bit more of Russell Wilson too, because he can sling it. Uh, He's a guy that has no problem taking off. He's got good instincts and he's got, he's got a cast around him, which, which is good. I'm with you on the defense. That's something that needs to get better. But I mean, I honestly did not think we would look at the Arizona Cardinals in the position they're currently in right now. So I think all already it's been a plus for this team. And I think everything that happens on top of it, because I'm with you, they're going to make the playoffs. I think everything that happens on top of it's gravy. I think this, the organization is already miles ahead of where I think a lot of people thought that they would be. So it's really good. And, and to the bills, Look, they were up in this game by a lot. Then they gave up that lead. Then they came back and took the lead there at the end. Looked like they were going to win it. Uh, again, the, the the most low percentage play beats them. 
I, I don't take anything away from the Bills' effort in this game and say, boy, I'm a little concerned now about Buffalo. I still think that this is a quality football team, and you're right. I think Josh Allen continues to show that he can win you football games. Even though they didn't win this game, he makes enough plays within a game that I think uh, it's just something we did not see a couple of years ago. So I think you got to like what you still have there in Buffalo. I totally agree. Looking at some of the other ones, too, uh, I mean – Texans Browns have you ever played in conditions like that I mean we've seen rain and snow but when you've got that wind yeah. the way that it was they had to delay the game because you had those huge like microburst winds coming through at 77 miles an hour I, I mean look football players you guys are tough you know but there's just certain conditions where it's like what are we doing like what are we freaking doing and, and now the, the wind's died down a bit maybe to like 50 miles an hour but i just don't envy either team playing in those conditions yeah and, and you know I, I gotta give a lot of credit to nick sharper running out of bounds and giving his team zero chances of losing that game even yeah. though i lost my bet because <laughs> i had them at three i saw three and a half out there but we took them at three on our last broadcast i thought they were a great pick and i still think they were i mean obviously the guy running out of bounds is kind of a fluke but um cleveland again continues to impress just with how they can play in cold weather games like this. And Mayfield, um, I think he, he he does well in those. I think he yeah. likes them. Um, we, we did predict that this would be a low-scoring game, which is good. If you bet the under, you came in way under. Under by 29 points. But um, Houston's just – they just got Deshaun Watson. He only had like 160 yards. Uh, he got, to, got sacked a couple times. Uh, Duke Johnson – only have and, and he was the bulk of their running game was was 54 yards so um yeah. cleveland is playing tough on defense they're they're adequate on offense um you know not a ton to go over in this game but but they did take us out of low price a lot of people fantasy football people and um betters out of some money when he went out of bounds but I, I also want to kind of just go in and say that my fantasy team is seven and two Oh, um, had another big week. Um, running backs carry me, man. I mean, I was a big on running backs, but Josh Jacobs, uh, Chris Carson's out, but I got Alvin Kamara too. Now, if I can just get Lamar Jackson to start running the ball and get some points, I I'm in good shape. So, um, I'm kind of cruising here. The bad part is, if you're that good, you don't get any waiver claims. So sometimes I get. Oh, I oh, um, that's too bad. Knock on wood, I have been pretty lucky with the injury bug for my guys. So, but. Good. Cleveland is, is right there. We're not talking about them as much, which yeah. is what they should be, but they are a playoff team at this point. Yeah, they're a playoff team. I just don't think they're I, I they're a playoff team, and I think that's the ceiling. I, I don't look at them as a legitimate contender. Um, I, I think Baker Mayfield, again, I'll give credit where credit's due. I think he's done a lot less talking and just more playing, but I, I still think that you see holes in his game, and I just think that those are going to be there for him, but you know, hey, good for the Browns. I mean, really, just win football games in the NFL. You're never going to apologize about it. Uh, another game that is not interesting because there are two teams that I don't think we take very serious, but I want to mention the, the Detroit Lions for a moment because, again, Matthew Stafford, he's playing well. Uh, he did what he did in this game without Galladay, and DeAndre Swift was a big part of this one. Marvin Jones is a big part of this game, and this is – Another opportunity for me to gush over a rival quarterback uh, in the NFC North in Matthew Stafford, who continues to just not make excuses and use the guys that he has around him. And for them to win this game by three, they needed all 30 of those points to, to be Washington, who's not a good football team. And I'm not trying to sell you that Detroit, hey, look out, here they come. 
I, I just wanted to take any opportunity we could have to say Matthew Stafford deserves so much more credit than what he's given because of the organization he's in, the coach that he has. And this is a guy that hardly has any of his weapons throughout every week. I mean, whether it's Galde hurt, they've had a rash of injuries at the skilled position. Their defense has gotten absolutely shredded yet. The guy doesn't complain. He plays through pain and he produces. And so if I take anything away from this game, it's another reminder that Matthew Stafford is still pretty damn good and probably doesn't get as much credit as he should. Yeah. And he probably saved his coach's job, honestly, because Matt Patricia loses another game uh, being up by 20 more points. He definitely gets fired, but Mm -hmm. let's think about how this was. They were up 21 and Alex Smith, the timeless um, hobbled quarterback out there had an awesome game, 390 yards passing. Um, comes down at yep. the end and takes them on a drive to get the, the tying field. Now, there was a couple of suspect pass interference calls there, honestly. Um, but he gets them, and they kick the field goal. And there's 16 seconds left when Detroit gets the ball. 16 seconds yep. left. He completes a pass. Chase Young comes in and foolishly puts his hand on the quarterback. Now, it was a little bit of a dive. I get that. But there's he took like four steps and shoved the quarterback. Gave, gave them a first down, moved it closer. They were completed one pass, and Matt Prater kicks a 59-yard field goal. That's how this game ended, and that, that's happened to Detroit all year long. And finally, they were on the receiving end of, of, of a great comeback. So good for them. Good, good, good. It's a good feeling in Detroit. They're still who they are, um, a team with a, a lot of fantasy points. Matt Stafford's tough, but that defense for Matt Patricia being a defensive coach has been very disappointing. So. I love, I love to see Alex Smith making the comeback. Good for him. Um, I don't think he's the answer there, but it's good to see the um, a guy who, you know, at Kansas, down in Kansas City, we love that guy. Guy who gracefully handed off the torch to Mahomes and and taught him so much. And to see him go through everything he's gone through and come back yeah. and he has some success, this might be the last ride for him, but it's great to see the old, the old horse come through. So I got I got I to say I, I appreciate what he's doing, but um, Patricia and them held on one more week. He has a job for one more week. Yeah. Least. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't mean to puff my chest out, but I call this one the Giants and the Eagles. And this had nothing to do with uh, your former team, the New York Giants. This was all about the Eagles' absolute ineptitude that they just cannot really figure themselves out. And, Chris, we can talk about teams that are either underachieving or teams that just don't seem to be able to adjust to what they have uh, with their roster. Philadelphia is one of those teams that I can't make that excuse of, well, they just don't have enough weapons or they don't have enough talent. I I just think that they do. And yeah, there've been some injuries and every team has gone through those. I do not understand what Philadelphia is. And I I just, I I feel like this is a team that has been one of the bigger letdowns. Remember the beginning of the season, there were people that were looking at the Philadelphia Eagles as a team that not only would win the East, but could also make a run at the NFC and possibly be in the Super Bowl. This is a team that has talent. It's been injured, sure. But Carson Wentz, a lot of this stuff starts with him. Who is Carson Wentz? I don't know. I just, it it seems like it was so long ago when he was heading towards that MVP season before he tore his ACL the same year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Since then, he just has kind of been a shell of himself. And it's not every game there's been a few games like oh okay there's the Carson Wentz that we remember from that one season but it doesn't happen enough and you brought up the point earlier when we were talking about the Bears 
is Doug Peterson necessarily putting Carson Wentz in the best position to succeed? Or is Carson Wentz, is this just kind of who he is? He's just going to be sort of an enigma every week. I, I don't know. I just cannot figure this team out. I, I, I'm a, a bigger believer in Carson Wentz, honestly, than Doug Peterson's system. I mean, you think about um, this is coming off a of bye week against a Giants team that can't beat the Eagles. I hate the Eagles because the Giants can never beat them, right? And you have a bye week and you come in here and I don't know what they're doing. They're running these all these fancy little deals they run. It's like you, you got um, Carson Wentz, who I think you should use more. Let him throw the ball a little bit more. Um, just to short, quick little plays, RPOs, let him, let, him, let him do some zone read. Miles Sanders was breaking off big runs every time he got the ball. Right now, they don't have a big downfield threat in there, but they have some some dudes out there. Um, I don't get it. Now, I will try to pump on my Giants here. You know, a big game for Jason Garrett, my buddy, my old teammate, got creative, had some really good plays out there. Daniel Jones is running the ball. Um, I think the way you're, they're using Daniel Jones is how they should be using Carson Wentz in Philly. Right. I mean, he had almost 300 yards total. He had no turn turnovers which is awesome the 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 giants figured out how to run the football with young developing linemen wayne gallman had two touchdowns i mean who are these guys they, they yeah. lose saquon barkley to start the season and, and they're finding a way to win because they're well coached uh they've stuck together and they're not a great team but this is a great foundation uh for the future i think they got a great one to judge i think him and J, uh, jason garrett down there are doing good the defense is playing good Start adding some more weapons to this team and let's see what the Giants can do. Because I think the future looks bright for them. And Philly, I mean, I don't know. How much credibility do you have built up after a Super Bowl win to not, to not be held accountable to just the lack right. of production? And I think that time's coming soon. If they don't win the division and, and make a run at the end, I don't know if, if they keep them, honestly. Because, I mean, you have some some – some, a chance to be good, and they're just not doing it. That division's awful. And here's the other thing about the Giants – they're not so far back in this race. They are now second in the NFC East. Philadelphia is three, five, and one. And maybe that tie comes back to, to push them over the edge, or maybe it hurts them. I don't know. But the Giants are three and seven, and the Eagles are three, five, and one. So try that on for size. Let that sink in and know that that's your division leaders with those records. That, my friends, is the NFC least. It's yeah. And that would be an absolute bonus for the Giants, but they're looking to, to next year and the year after. Yeah. So I like the Giants going forward in this division. Um, and, and anything they get this year is just kind of icing on the cake. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, and this was a game that I thought that they would handle easily in Green Bay. Jacksonville's garbage. Uh, Jacksonville is starting their second string quarterback to their, their first string quarterback, who's also not very good in Gardner Minshew. Uh, Green Bay really had to work for this one. Look, this is starting to kind of look a little bit like last year's Green Bay, their 13-3 and three run, where you saw the record, you're like, okay, that's a pretty damn good record. Yet there are odd things about this team that certain weeks they look really good. And then other weeks, and it's not just like that one week that every good team has, where they just look like eh, they don't stop the run very well, or uh, their running game isn't all that good, even with Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is always going to deliver. We know that. But there are things about Green Bay that I, I still am concerned about when they get to the playoffs and face elite competition. I guess what I'm trying to say, even with their 24 to 20 win over Jacksonville, is Green Bay elite? I don't know if they are. That's a tough one because, um, I mean, they kind of just came out to a lead and just kind of cruised from there. I think that they're going to have to learn how to finish games. 
right? They're going to have to learn how to come out in the second half and play as good as they did in the first half. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went, went off for a while. He did. It was great. He just did what they wanted. And, and they just kind of let, let up on the, on the gas. Like Jacksonville comes back with the really uh, Kieran Cole come back with a nice punt return touchdown. I got them back in that game or else we're talking about the score. Like it should have been, but that shouldn't have been allowed to happen. Um, playing at home. They were in some conditions. Don't get me wrong, but, but they, they handled it fine. It's just, I think it's more of a motivation thing than anything where they need to somehow say, okay, we're going to beat a bad Jacksonville team, but let's do it in a manner where we're improving this week rather than just take, yeah. you know, go out and get a couple touchdowns and we'll just walk out of here with a win um, against better teams. That's going to hurt them. And I think that it's, it's allowing a mentality to kind of seep in that we're not going to go hard all the time and they need to, they need to, to play harder. That second half was horrible effort, horrible execution. Yep. Um, there's no way Jacksonville should have been anywhere close to this game. And Green Bay just they can be as good as they want to be. It's just yeah, they get out of those guys. Yeah, and even the loss a couple of weeks ago to Minnesota, you knew the one thing that could beat you is Dalvin Cook, yet they could not stop Dalvin Cook. So yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm concerned about their defense. I absolutely am. I think I think so too, and because they don't match up against teams that can run the ball. Robinson had a good game this week. Um, I'm, I don't know if have his stats in front of me, but I think he ran the ball pretty darn well. He had 109 yards rushing, yeah. right? And this is a game that they were down most of the game. Mm-hmm. So um, against elite running backs, they're going to struggle. And I think going towards the playoffs, cold weather, that's going to hurt them. Uh, Bucks, Panthers, Bucks uh, got down early and then they just absolutely turned it on. They went 46-23. So they're now at seven and three on the year. Uh, the Panthers, three and seven. Uh I, this is not a big surprise. I think, especially without Christian McCaffrey, you knew that the offense was going to miss some firepower. Teddy Bridgewater goes down as well with a knee injury. Now it doesn't sound like it's a serious knee injury, which is good considering what he's gone through as well, but uh, he could maybe miss some time. Uh, yeah. For, for the bucks, it's, it's almost the same question I have about the Packers. You know, the bucks, when they are really firing on all cylinders, they're a good team. They're a tough offense to stop and their defense is pretty good but they've also played enough games this season that have kind of left you sort of flat and wondering, is this an elite team? Are they a team that you can say, all right, if we got them in the playoffs, uh, this is a very difficult team. This is an unbeatable type team. Are we saying that about the bucks either? Now, again, this was a good win and they, they turned it on at the end. This was the, the type of bucks effort that I think we look at and say, wow, okay, we see you, you look for real, but, can we get that every week? And will we start to get that every week as we get closer to the end of the season? That's my big question with Tampa Bay. Yeah. And Tampa's still a developing team. The thing to remember about them is that they have not been all together that long, right? Tom Brady didn't have an off season with them. So it's a work in progress for them. I will say that Tom Brady really spread the ball around this game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got a bunch of guys, mouths you need to feed Tom Brady is the guy who can do it. I mean, I'm just looking at it. Godwin Evans, Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, break for, they all had catches. They all, someone had touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's found his rhythm in terms of spraying the ball around, which makes them very dangerous. Um, it's just, can they do this consistently? Cause we've seen them be the best team in the NFC, but can they do that? You yeah. Know, now, now the saints are without Drew Brees. Maybe they catch them, uh, but they got to finish out. They got to be playing better football. And again, I'm going to say it again. I just don't know how long Tom Brady and Gronkowski will hold this up. I mean, if you're going to get to December and January, are they the same players then as they are right now? I don't know. That's that's a big question mark for me. Um, and also the consistency for this team. But as of right now, they took care of Carolina. And Carolina, this is who Carolina is. 
right? They, I think the emotional roller coaster of having Christian McCaffrey back, then losing him was just too much yeah. emotionally. They just wore them out. You think, oh my gosh, look what we got back, and now they lose him. And I think that that hurt them more than anything. Um, so Carolina, good job with what they're doing. Keep building, but um, this is who they are in Tampa. This is who they can be. Uh, Raiders Broncos uh, Raiders big over Denver not a big shock there and it's kind of funny there's a sort of a growing theme with the, the last three teams now that we've discussed that one the Packers the Bucks and now the Raiders you want to believe that those teams I would say more so the Packers and the Bucks because their personnel that they are teams that are legitimate Super Bowl contenders I'm not going to put the Raiders in that category but the Raiders also as a team of boy you've seen them sort of hit the highest of highs if they can just figure out the consistency because what the Raiders have offensively with Jacobs and I even think Carr with Gruden that is starting to work out a lot better the defense I've always said this about the Raiders I think they're the most physical line of scrimmage in the AFC I I, I really do but it's just a matter of seeing that every week and whether it's sort of playing up and down to your competition, I, I don't know. This was a good sign because they're better than the Broncos and they got a Broncos team that's starting to kind of see the writing on the wall. This isn't going to happen for them. And Vegas, hey, they, they took advantage of that. They played the way that they should. They're another team that I, I want to believe that they are more than just a playoff team, that they're a legitimate threat in the, in the AFC. But I got to see this each week and, and I'm just not with them. Well, we're going to see it this week. They play the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, and that is going to be a huge game because um, they're the only team that's beaten the Chiefs. Um, Apparently, they they toured, went around the Chiefs Stadium in a victory lap. Um, The old Raiders-Chiefs rivalry is back, baby. But let's look at this game. The Las Vegas Raiders were plus five in turnovers. You want to win in the NFL? Go be plus five in turnovers, right? And that's five takeaways with zero giveaways. So – Denver, I mean, I think we should, I don't know if we just kind of throw Drew Locke out and say he's not the answer, but he is showing way more evidence that he's not the solution out there in Denver. Um, Josh Jacobs on my fantasy team, 112, two. two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, Carr, he, he was just efficient. He only had 154 passing yards. So it wasn't like he had a great day um, because honestly, the Raiders dro- had a lot of drops. Waller had some drops. Riggs had some drops. They didn't have a great game. They just, were very efficient. So they're going to have their, I think they might've been looking ahead a little bit to Kansas city, which is a huge division game. Now Kansas city loses this game. They're still up a couple, you know, cause they're just a better team, a better record right now, but it tightens the race out there. That's a little look ahead to next week. Um, and then I think Denver's done. I mean, they, they yeah. still don't have a quarterback. They have a lot of work to do. LA might be gone. Um, but the Raiders are sneaky. They're very sneaky. Um, I can't wait to see that game Sunday night. Well, we thought it was a sucker bet, and it turned out to not be a sucker bet. The Dolphins were only a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Chargers. They take care of business over L.A., winning 29-21. And again, another step in the right direction for Tua Tagovailoa. Threw the ball well. He can move around. I think he's starting to get very confident as a starting quarterback in the NFL and with this Dolphins organization. I continue to really like what I see out of this Dolphins team. And as much as it's fun to talk about the quarterback change and what they're doing offensively, 
I, I, I don't think the defense gets enough credit. I think Miami has a legitimate defense. They got guys at each level and they just keep winning football games. This is kind of a fun development. And, and now you're looking at that AFC East and we'll get to the Patriots here in a moment, but looking at the bills and the dolphins, that could be a, is a pretty bitter rivalry this at least this year that could be a a finish that is going to be a must watch because those two teams look like they are going to make this thing very tight to the very end uh yeah i think we have to start giving um, brian flores a lot of credit down there yeah. uh, I'm, I'm still going to hold back a little bit on tua okay because we have not seen him in situations that typically you have to win playoff type games with he's plays with a great defense who he plays with a great specialty they had a block punt for a touchdown again this week mm-hmm. So if you have them on their DST um, defensive special teams in fantasy football, you're killing it. Um, but they're very good. Two is not messed up. He did now he had some throws that could have been interceptions in this game. Yeah. Let's not go and throw him in the in the, the category of being Mahomes or Brady. No, not at all. I, I think he's just I think he continues to take gradual steps forward each week. Just just overall comfort level in this offense. Yeah, he's a positive um, that, that he shows up and he's the, the number one overall draft pick that he should be. He has not been tested that much yet. He has not been asked to win a game yet. Um, the Chargers, again, they're like the Broncos, the Panthers, some of these teams are just not very good. Um, Herbert's a, a spark plug, but he he had he did not have a great game. Made a lot he's, of bad He's throws. coming back down to reality, definitely. Yeah, a little bit, mostly because people will start figuring him out. And they don't have a lot to go off of, of out there. I mean, they got a couple of good receivers, don't get me wrong, but uh, their defense is getting ran through. So LA, they're just who they are. They're not very good. Uh, Miami is six and three. Crazy. Talk about, would you have suspected no. Miami being six and three? I think Flores is right up there with coach of the year. Um, they have a dominant defense. They're legit over there. Um, so they're a team to watch. It's going to be exciting to see if they can chase down the bills and see if they can get in the, in the playoffs and, and do some damage. I think I took the Dolphins to go seven and nine this year. So. Yeah, clearly I was not high on the Miami Dolphins. No one, no one was. I mean, how could no. you? There's no evidence of that. So good, no, good for I, them. This is why we love the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we, we were kind of – I didn't use this as a bet, but I know you and I kind of went head-to-head on this one, the Rams and the Seahawks. I said I was going to take the Rams because I feel like they have the better defense. Uh, Seattle's defense continues to just kind of – I think kind of be a liability for a team that otherwise I think has a lot of the, the weapons offensively to be – a, a very good team and a tough out in the postseason, but it was the Rams defense in this one. That was the difference. And for the first time really this year, Russell Wilson wasn't able to really get going. Uh, the Rams win this one and uh, they continue to, I think, serve notice to the NFL that they're talented on the, on the defensive side, their offense, I think has been a little bit more figured out and I still am not a huge fan of Jared Goff. I just do not think he's that great. But when you do have guys like Aaron Donald, you have guys like Jalen Ramsey on the defensive side of the football, and that group is playing really good football, it makes it easier for an offense that might be just above average and that maybe nothing more. But this was a good win for the Rams. And again, it was it was their defense that kind of uh, sort of drove this thing home for them. Oh, absolutely. I think it's time to, to consider the Rams defense one of the best out there. They had a great game against um, a very good Seattle Seahawks offense. Um, so there is a major chink in the armor with Seattle, right? And now they, Seattle actually held up decent against the run, but holy cow, did they get just torched on the back end? I mean, they just, they, they're not being able to hold up. And the Rams aren't a great, great passing team, but they're very efficient over there. But, you know, Russell Wilson now has 10 interceptions. Yeah. Right? 
and and he was this MVP guy. And I'm not saying he's he's bad, but he is. He's just he he's. I think the pressure of trying to win games is is starting to take its effect on him. Um, there are some matchups over on the defense. Jalen Ramsey shutting down DK, DK Metcalf, yeah. who had two yeah. catches. That's yeah. it. And this guy's un stoppable but D- he's a good matchup or dk mavcalf only could do so many routes he's a mm-hmm. big dude he's not a quick dude and ramsey wasn't afraid of him so he wasn't afraid to be, be pushed around the defense had six sacks and they only gave up 333 total yards to russell wilson and the seahawks yeah. that is a winning effort that's a great division out there to watch because i don't know how it's going to turn out the rams right now and then you got the cardinals who are world beaters now so all of a sudden, Seattle is like third in that division. So yeah. let's see how this plays out because they all got to play each other um, out there. Now, I will say the Rams, they might have lost Whitworth, um, their left yeah. tackle, which I think hurt them. Um, very Had not missed to like a game in however many starts. It was it, just a ridiculous number. Yep, yep. But the Rams are coming off a bye week. They they showed it. They were very well prepared. And they have a defined way of how they win football games. And if they can can stick to that, they can win a lot of games. So they're they're a tough team in the NFC. And now Seattle's in like a prove-it mode because they, they have to figure out a way to play some defense. I, I don't know. I, Joel Adams had a huge, two sacks, but he can't cover on the back end, and no one can for that. I would love in this next game, too, that the Niners-Saints, we talked a little bit about the injury part of it for uh, Drew Brees and the Saints for the Niners, I would still like to see them in the NFC West discussion if they did have a little bit better luck with the injuries, because I still think if George Kittle, if they have Bosa, I just think that that's a different team, uh, not having to kind of play some games with and without Raheem Mostert. Uh, there's just a lot of injuries that they have not been able to overcome, but there were moments in the season when the Niners were relatively healthy that we said, oh yeah, that's the team we remember from a year ago. So unfortunately, I think they're just too banged up that they're not going to be a part of that NFC NFC West discussion. But if they had better luck uh, injury-wise, I think that was going to be a four-team race. That would have been really fun to watch during those last few weeks. But unfortunately, the Niners, they lose another one to the Saints. Uh, the Saints, again, as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's going to be, be all about how does Jameis Winston handle this offense. We talked about his time in the Bruce Arians offense last year where it's more of, hey, force the ball down the field, take some chances. You're going to throw some picks, but you're also going to get some big plays. Sean Payton's offense, it, it, it demands you to be more controlled. It demands discipline. And that's why Drew Brees has been so good in this offense. And that's what we're going to see about Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater, even in the short and the small sample size of the five games last year, he was able to really manage that offense, make the plays when they came to him, not forcing anything. So the big question is, can Jameis do that going forward? Can Jameis let the game come to him, let the plays come to him as opposed to forcing it like it was somewhat encouraged there in, uh, in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. Yeah. Thank God for Alvin Kamara, three touchdowns on my fantasy team. Really pulled me through there. Um, How did you get Jacobs in Camara? I mean, was was your rest of your league drunk or what? Well, they they were drafting all these quarterbacks high, and I'm like, whatever. Keep after it, huh? I uh, want to join your league. <laughs> well, let me. Who knows? I mean, fantasy football is half luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, one of you guys gets hurt, I'm out of luck. So, um, yeah, the Niners. You know, the hard hardest part about the Niners is that they are deficient on talent just because of all the injuries, and they they run a precision offense when it comes to their run game. So losing all those guys hurts. They lost some big time talent on defense, both through injuries and through free agency. So it would have been nice to see them. I'm, I'm waiting to see what they're going to do with quarterbacks. Mullins look horrible, yeah. right? And, and Bethard's not much better either. Bethard's not there. Garoppolo gets paid a ton of money and isn't much of an answer. So yeah. we got some question marks out there. New Orleans 
let's see how they handle it. I mean, I don't know. History tells us Jamie West just loves to sling it, but mm-hmm. you know, Teddy Bridgewater came in there and look what the quarterback he came out of New Orleans being. Um, yeah, being under Sean Payton, maybe they learned some intricacies of the game that that he wasn't taught before. So um, New Orleans is still very good. Their defense is playing great. So if they that defense keeps it up, they're going to be good. They have talent. Um, they're still a tough team. It's just they have a tougher road without Drew Brees. And the other thing to watch out for Jameis, as we mentioned, Teddy Bridgewater, if you can have success in this offense, remember, Jameis Winston is basically over there for like a million dollars. If he can have a good little run here before Drew Brees is better, Jameis Jameis could get himself uh, a future payday. Jameis could possibly be identified as a starting quarterback for some quarterback needy teams going forward and could up his value once again, just like Teddy Bridgewater did in the Saints system. So th- there's a lot of upside to how Jameis plays, even if he's not the long-term answer uh, in New Orleans, uh, you know, if and when Drew Brees leaves, and it could be as early as next year, uh, even if he's not part of the Saints uh, future at the, as a starting quarterback, that doesn't mean he's not somebody's future, but he's going to have to prove it. And this is a great opportunity for Jameis Winston to show that he can be a lot more disciplined with the football. So, so also keep that one in mind. Yeah. Bang- no, go ahead. No, no, that's you did great. That's perfect. Uh, Bengals Steelers. This was what the Steelers needed to do, because I think the Bengals are a team that even with their record, they have a good quarterback. They uh, I, I think they're com- they're comfortable in their own skin. They know exactly what uh, this season is about for them. It's laying a foundation. It's getting better. It's building around Joe Burrow. And that to me can be a dangerous proposition for other teams like the Steelers Steelers did not play good football the week before against the Cowboys they were able to survive that one you, you wondered okay would they learn even though they won that game you can learn a lot from winning ugly and you can learn a lot from losing games too I think the, the Steelers got the message they played the way that they should have against just an inferior opponent and I think that's another reminder of the Steelers 9-0 for the first time in franchise history it's it's hard not to take this team very serious. I get it. The Chiefs are a great football team, but I think the Steelers are too, and they've got a defense to back it up. And they do. Now, here's here's there's some interesting things that happened in this game. Um, first of all, um, the Steelers' offense is is who everyone talks about the defense. I think the offense is is what's setting them apart right now. Roethlisberger threw four touchdowns. And he, he spread the ball around again. Uh, Deontay Johnson had a touchdown. Juju had a touchdown. Claypool had two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, they don't aren't great at running the ball. But let's, there's another statistic that stood out in this game to me is that Cincinnati rushed for 139 yards, right? And I think the Steelers came off. They got rushed on last week by Dallas a little bit too. Um, so this great defense actually looks like it's a little vulnerable to rushing the football, which helps even out if you get a balanced team that plays against them, that's where you got to attack them, yeah. run the ball, get yourself in manageable second and third down uh, positions, because if they, if they're like ball Hawks, when it comes to third and long, so you can't, that's the only negative I can see about, the, about the, about the Steelers right now. Um, we'll see what they can do against the good teams. You know what I mean? I'm, I know I would love to see them in the championship game against the chiefs, uh, which I think we might be headed for, but uh, they took care of business, good football team. I think they're going to lose a couple of games. Just they might pull, yeah. um, but they're 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 in great position. Um, now it comes down whether or not they're going to get that first round by. Yeah, so they might be playing for that more than anything else. I remember only 
just the first seed, the number one seed in each conference gets to buy in like the Unless they cancel years. a game, right? If they cancel, uh, if they cancel, then then we got an expanded playoff. Yeah, then I think you got multiple teams. Then I think then is it multiple teams get a buy or multiple teams or does everyone have to play? Uh, right, we'll, we'll look that up. Maybe yeah, we'll have play. to check that out. Yeah, I'm, I I think maybe the the first and second do get a buy, but I might be off on that. Uh, the Sunday night game, bit of a surprise. The New England Patriots just when we thought, okay, that they're done. I, I said this was a great opportunity for Lamar Jackson on the big national television primetime stage to remind us that how good he is. Uh, that didn't necessarily work out. Now, he didn't play bad. I don't want to say this was all on Lamar Jackson. But, again, what we have seen this season compared to last year is defenses are saying, hey, Lamar is good, but he's got limitations. And we're going to exploit that. And it was exploited again. And we shouldn't be surprised that it's Bill Belichick that is able to say, okay, you can run the ball a little bit. You can even get your yards in the air. But when it comes to the passes and it comes to situations that matter, we're going to take those away from you. And other players are going to have to beat us. And the, the, the Patriots took that away from them. Rex Burkett, former Husker, had a big game for the, the Patriots as well, uh, getting a couple of touchdowns. And you know, to me, this is not more about the Patriots. This is more about the Ravens. I just, I, I don't, I don't trust them. I do not trust this team. Yeah. It's kind of amazing to me that these teams are almost carbon copies of each other now. Right. Um, and one of them, they both have fallen to that level. I think that, you know, look at the Patriots side of it. Cam did a good, he did good. He had no turnovers. He ran he for a cushion, but it was still watching me like, okay, now let, let's be honest. This was played in a pouring rain. Oh yeah, it was not good. It wasn't like there was going to be a, a sling fest out there, but right. but the Patriots got got creative. Jacoby Myers throws a touchdown to Burkhead, and and I don't want to, you know, you look at the Patriots. How far can they go? Again, I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. When Rex Burkhead your feature back, you're not that good. And Rex is, Rex is a good dude, but he's not Dalvin Cook. He's not any of these high end running backs. He's a good NFL football player, but if he's your feature guy, you're not working with that many weapons out there. But you know, Damian Harris goes over goes over 100 yards you yeah. know, for, for the Patriots. So, I mean, it's not like Rex is their feature back. I mean, and that's a Patriots. It's one guy each week. And Damian Harris, even though he didn't get uh, the ball in the end zone that much, I mean, he still chews up 120-something yards. Yeah, and they had 173 rushing yards against Baltimore, who's supposed to be this great defensive team. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they're, Lamar Jackson is being hemmed in a little bit too much, right? I, I, I think they're saying, okay, well, he's got to be this quarterback. We'll just make him a running back. Yeah. Right. Let him run the ball. Let it be high school football. Let him run the ball. Um, at this point, he's so bad when he has to pass and he has to make like first downs on, on third down. It just ain't working. So just give him the ball, let him run it, see how far that gets you. Cause that got you pretty far last year. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that they're doing that enough. I think that they, they've had some injuries over there too. The defense, I think played a pretty good game, but without an offense to back them up, I mean, the, the Ravens just aren't that elite team we thought they were. I think we all thought they were doing that. And I think Lamar Jackson, quite honestly, isn't playing that bad. He's just, he's coming off an MVP season. So the expectations are, are that high. And and New England, they went out there. It's not, it's just probably better coaching. They got that through that game, I'd say. Uh, as we kind of wrap up with, and we kind of led with this, the Monday night football game. Sorry, America, you had to watch this thing. It was a stink fest. Uh, the, the Vikings, they win 19 to 13 and, First for Minnesota, uh, you got to give credit. Finally, Kirk Cousins is able to knock through that door. He is now one at nine on Monday night football. Finally got that primetime victory. And I'll give Kirk Cousins credit. The Bears were stuffing 
Dalvin Cook. They held Dalvin Cook to just 3.2 yards a carry. I think he rushed 30 times for just under 100. I think he was 30 for 96. So they committed to Dalvin Cook. But when Kirk Cousins had to make plays off play action, he was efficient. He was accurate. He had the one really bad interception to uh, uh, Khalil Mack. But other than that, I thought he played well enough in a game that I said, the Bears will take away Dalvin Cook. It's going to be up to Kirk Cousins. And if it's up to Kirk Cousins, that typically bodes well for the opposition. Kirk Cousins finally able to buck that trend. So give credit to him. All of a sudden, don't look now. The Vikings are four and five, and they're feeling very good about themselves winning three in a row. And so that is a plus for Minnesota and for Chicago. I was I was telling somebody, it wouldn't shock me if Chicago finishes this thing at five and 11 or, or six and, you know, uh, six and 10, because their offense, look, Minnesota was letting uh, opponents, I think, uh, run up about 417 yards per game. Chicago was at 149 mm. total yards. That's not rushing or, or, or passing. That's total. That's brutal. And you know the other thing? The offensive line, which has been pretty bad for Chicago, they weren't awful last night. And yet they still couldn't do anything other than a Cordero Patterson kickoff return mm -hmm. for a touchdown. The Bears offense is historically bad and you cannot win games as good as their defense is. They can't score 21 points for you. So I don't know what changes. I don't know what can change other than Mitchell Trubisky will be your likely starter going forward because Nick Foles got injured. This thing is, it's going to go south. It, it already has gone south. They get the bye week this week. They come back and play Green Bay Sunday night football on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, good luck with that. This is not going to go well. It's not going to end well for Chicago, and it's probably not going to end well for Ryan Pace, the GM. Yeah, and, and who knows how that thing goes. I, you know, Minnesota, you know, for, for everything that they came out to start the season with, they look pretty darn good, right? And Dalvin Cook got stuffed last night. Now, when Nick's, when Hicks went out of that game, that's yeah. when Dalvin Cook got a little yep. bit of confidence and they started, started going. But Kirk Cousins played okay up to that point. Played Nick, well enough to win. And he, he, Kirk Cousins is a guy that's kind of like, it's frustrating to watch him because he just won't pull the trigger. Like he's got Justin Jefferson out there, Adam Thielen. Mm. And you know, these guys can make some plays if you give them chances, but he just won't pull the trigger. So I, I, I'm not a fan of either team really, but like I'm watching, like throw the ball, throw the ball, <laughs> throw your guy open and he won't do it. But Dalvin Cook is something special. I mean, yeah. I will give them credit for sticking with him last night. He was getting stuffed and stuffed and stuffed, and it, it, it worked out for him. It, yeah. it, good coaching. Mike Zimmer really took advantage of several situations in that game for his his Minnesota defense to really shut down the Bears. And and the Bears are, you know, they're, I don't know, they're, they're no, there's nothing there. I don't know where they go from here. Um, they have some major questions to answer. Minnesota's rising. I, I don't think they're – I think against good teams, that defense gets gets pushed around a little bit. But with Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, if he doesn't turn the ball over, yeah. they're, they're a team to be watched, maybe not playoffs even or you know championship level. But, but they're a team you got to get ready for. And the Bears, I think the Bears are just kind of sliding into that abyss in this third and fourth quarter of the season might be rough on them. Let me ask you this because I know it was, it was discussed this morning on Get Up locker room division with Chicago, given how good their defense is and how frustrated they must be because their offense can't even give them any sign of life. Like, can that start to create a division where this thing starts even as bad as it is on the field, all of a sudden starts carrying over in the locker room? Yeah, I think it, I think it will. Um, 
you know, you don't predict these kind of things, but that defense is a pretty tight unit. You see that and how they play. And if the offense doesn't support their role, it's hard. It's hard to go out there and get beat on national TV yeah. when you give full effort and do all these things and the offense isn't pulling their weight. So that, that's a problem. If it goes on long enough, it becomes the coach's problem and it, it falls right on his shoulders. And, and they haven't had a lot of time together. They didn't have an off season. So there's a lot of things trending in the, in the wrong direction. And the locker room, I think, is one of them. I think it's going to be hard to, to, to satisfy that defense when you're scoring two field goals. There are some great games starting Thursday. We got Seahawks in Arizona, which is awesome. Thank goodness we needed that after watching last night's primetime uh, dud. But uh, a lot of good games in uh, in the upcoming week, week 11. So I uh, can't wait to talk about that with you in a few days. So we get ready okay. for another week. We'll do it. And we got, we got um, some big games to get ready for this week. And we'll be talking to you here just uh, a few more days. We'll get prepared for, is that going to be week 12 already? What, what uh, we're in week 11. All right, we're going to yeah. get into this thing, and then we're yes, getting, we are. getting towards the end. Yeah, it's going to be week 11, so this is when um, the games start mattering a lot. Yes, they do. All right, man, we'll see you next time, okay? All right, be well.